And as you know, we won't be talking serious with that intro as always, but Greg and I are going to be your Rosencrantz and Gilderstein today. That's right. I'm very happy to have back uh-huh. our good friends from DVC, Mario, and very enthused to be here, Jamie. Hi. <laughs> Places, everyone. Hello. Places. Hello. And we have, again, we have coming up, and you do the dates because it's me and... I sort of know when I'm going, but we have more than this coming back. Your next play in a couple of weeks, which is a must-see, and I have my tickets, so it's going to sell out the whole run after this. Uh, <laughs> right, uh, right. So, yes, uh, the latest DVC production, Dream, Visualize, Create, uh, our, our latest production, uh, more than this, runs uh, July 14th, 15th, 16th, and then the following week, 2021, 20, 22. So we close on Saturday the 22nd. And tickets very easy to get. Just go to the site. I could do it, so you can do it, because... <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying easy. that because no, because a couple places I've tried to get tickets from, I've had my problems. Sight unseen. <laughs> Even yeah. from my own uh, Wadsworth Homestead, which I'm involved with, I had problems. <laughs> yeah, the, the show is at uh, DVC's... Uh, it has been DVC's home for many years, since 2012. Muck, as we call them, you see. At the Muck, yes. Um, uh, right here in Rochester on Lack Avenue. Yes. A great place to see any type of show, really, and there's something exciting happening there every weekend. And, you know, that's the thing, too, is, I mean, we promote DVC. They're awesome, but pretty much anything that goes is awesome. I just, I'm old, I can't go to everything anymore. So. But one thing I wanted to ask about was the genesis of these projects, how did it come to you to combine music, like somebody's music, with the story? Well, uh, the story for this particular show was that way back in the year 2013, <laughs> um, while I was a teacher at Wilson High School, which I still am, um, we I was talking with a couple of my students, uh, some seniors, and, about um, shows that we would want to do and music we'd want to use for an original show. And so two of them got to talking to me about Vanessa Carlton, and I was uh, familiar with a lot of uh, Vanessa's music. And we um, and she said, you should write a show and we'll perform it. And, um, and so I said, well, you get a hold of Vanessa Carlton and uh, have her say, you know, go for it. And I'll write something. Wait, aren't you supposed to give them assignments? I don't quite. Uh, yeah, yeah. It was a little... <laughs> so, right, right. So, uh, I, I actually had, had constructed between the time we first had the conversation and the time this came up, I had actually been working on something, but um, uh, a show related to the connected to those songs. But um, so we left it on a Friday, and then Monday morning, um, one of my students came in. And she said, I think I just got an email from Vanessa Carlton. And so it was through her management um, saying, you know, that that was a great idea. It's really exciting. And the community theater groups using the stuff and, uh, you know, these high school students and said, go, go for it. Do whatever you want. So after that, it was kind of it was on. Um, the, the biggest complication was that was April and these students were graduating in June. So we had to put stage a by far the most elaborate show we'd ever done to that point. Um, with a live band, etc., cetera, uh, uh, and a rather elaborate staging in a very short period of time. So I immediately went and contacted um, the other half of the Savastano sibling uh, connection in DVC, MJ, and I said, I need help right now. And, uh, and we found a way to pull that show off um, in the July of the senior year of the kids that were involved in it. And um, it just seemed like it was time to revive that show uh, 
on what is our 20th reunion of DVC, 10 years after wow. we originally did the first production. Wow. Um, so it, uh, it's really, I mean, 2020 would have been our 20th reunion, but um, 2020 and 2021. I don't know what happened. I don't know. 2020, I think the sunflowers overgrew. Some you mysterious get the thing, yeah. You could get through the dry because we had that sunflower outbreak with the seeds and everything. Yeah, we did no shows for 2020 or 2021, despite our best efforts to get back in the game in late 2021. So um, then it just became a matter of waiting until. It's hard to have a 20th reunion with people having to make travel plans and all kinds of things people have to alter their lives to show up and be a part of things and um you need to give them a lot of a lot of you know lead time did you have to mess around with licensing and music publishing we didn't we didn't do any of that uh she basically said just just go wow i don't know i don't know how much of it is i mean obviously we don't have any um you know, there's no, no, there's no profit gain from the show. Well, that, that's maybe a factor. Right. Um, but also, um, so I've actually, we've met with her a couple of times since then. I mean, after her shows, we've traveled, uh, the after, right after the show, we traveled to Philadelphia and saw her and there was a meet and greet after and we talked to her about the show. And actually she just came to, where did we go see that show? Yeah, uh, was that? Yeah, so that's awesome. Though. Yeah, and we just saw her a couple months ago. She just happened to be touring when, we're, and I, I we went and saw her. And after the show, I met up with her, and I'm like, "Hey, I don't know if you remember this, but we did this show, and we're <laughs> doing it again." And she said, "Oh, that's great! And give me the information." And we wrote it all down or whatever. And someone there selling merchandise said she was uh, she lived in the area and was uh, hoping to come to the show. So, um, yes, yeah, so it was very unofficial. It was officially unofficial. She essentially said, uh, "You know." Go ahead and and do what you want to do. So that's really good though. Well, getting her name out there can't hurt, right? Right. I mean, what's the? I, I think that's and you know she um was excited to be part of a group of people that were you know connected to a group of people that were just doing something for uh, inspired by her music and just kind of for the obviously for the love of doing theater. Did she ever so, asked for like a tape of it or something to take uh, a look at it? So or? the original production. So back, way back in 2013, we had to provide <laughs> oh a we had to provide a DVD uh, recording. Um, but uh, this time I'll just send a, a link. That's actually. I'm not a techie, so you have to do all this. I, I don't want to go uh, off, you know, off tang- into a tangent on this here on the show. No, no way. But, Greg, this we never happened before. <laughs> we live for tangents. Before we came on the show, we were just talking about the fact that uh, I had just, uh, Nellie McKay had come to Rochester to play just two days ago. And uh, uh, she is another one who we met. Uh, saw her in Geneva and said, can we um, perform your music in the Rochester Fringe Festival? This was back in 2018. And she said, of course. And uh, I just met with her and talked to her two days ago about the show. And that was... The reason I brought that up is because, uh, so now these days you just send somebody a link to the yeah. email address and she basically said, send me the link to this address and I'll be interested in checking out the show. So... um you know, things have changed a lot in 10 years. But that's that, like the thing, like, I mean, you should have a chair for Vanessa Carlton at the performance. Like, we, they always did those for the Dylan tribute shows or the birthday shows. Like, Bob's going to show up. Of course, he never Get her does. a director's chair. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the thing I found, like, on here, everything we do, obviously, is to promote the artists. But we always, like, but most of the time, obviously, a lot of people, I, music I play with friends of mine, I know. But, like, other people I ask, I say I have a podcast with, the answer is every time. Sure. <laughs> yeah. 
We've actually found that that's true. I mean, a lot of our shows are adapted from things. When MJ contacted Jamie O'Neill about getting the rights to do At Swim Two Boys, turning the novel into a, a stage adaptation, he personally just wrote back and said, uh, do anything you want Some with it. I'm really not sending any paperwork. Too, like or, Al Oland, who I think really, you like her a lot. Yeah. She's like a Hudson Valley artist. There's just an article with her and Mikhail. She's gushing. Oh, please, play it, play it. I'm like, I wish you could be on, but you have to tour yeah. Sure. Have you actually listened to the show, though, before? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I wonder how much of it has to do with, do you own, you know, do you own your music? And oh, I've other, actually, other okay, I get, like, we, like, actually, a lot of people I know, we've gotten flagged. And all that means is somebody flagged it, and it's like, okay, if we profit off this, it would go to the arts, which is what we do. Yeah. But I've told Michaela, Josh Netsky about it, and they're like, it's crazy. Josh said he got he got flagged for playing his own music. That's it. When I go, well, some of those songs are complex, dude. You plagiarize yourself. (laughs) Yeah. What are you, like John Fogarty or something? Right. (laughs) So I have a quick question. Earlier, when we started, you said when you first started the project, it was like you didn't have much time and and it was elaborate, more than usual. So do you find that, is that helpful to the creative process to be under the gun? Like more so than Jeffy. Well, we got we got six months. Don't worry about it. You know, necessity is the mother of invention. Yeah, um, I think that uh, to some extent that is true. However, I will I do like to operate in the long term. I mean, we had to set our dates for 2024 at Muck six months ago. So like wow. that's then you're starting to think like what are we going to be doing? You know, in a year and a half. But having said that. It is the nature of theater that no matter how many pre-production meetings you have and no matter how well you schedule, put together an elaborate schedule and step-by-step, you are always uh, thrown in and going, okay, uh, there's two weeks to go, there's 12 days to go, (laughs) there's 10 days to go. You're working up until somebody's painting something until you open. We're still modifying, you know, we're like, let's take that verse out of the song. So. To a, a certain degree, the answer is yes, because you have to do it at that point. Yeah. Um, but I I do like to have uh, options. <laughs> I do like well, to Well, you've got, sure, you probably got the student like me, especially in college. I would be the person when we had the big paper. I would finish, back in the day, typing at literally like 8 in the morning, get in the car, drive to class, to hand yeah. it in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when you had months to do it. Yeah, that paper had more typos than you thought, though, I think. They always know those days. Remember, remember having to type, and I was the one-finger method, so yeah. you kids. Well, we, let me tell you something. I took typing in high school as an elective, and everybody was like, ooh, that's freaking lame. Well, guess who's laughing now? No, that was yeah. the one of the best classes I ever took. That was one of the best classes. And people think I'm joking. I go, that was one of the best classes I ever took. Typing is the one thing I actually learned in high school. No. Oh. Did that lead to playing keyboards, though? Yep. So you, too, could be a classic pianist if you take typing. Playing, I, I wasn't playing correct piano back then. Was... <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Andy Calabrese. Right, oh, uh, <laughs> you've been blessed. He doesn't do that all the time. I've never had that happen so how did, on the show. So I know you look like you've been dying to get on here, Jamie. Yeah. How, uh, when on, did you Jamie. Come, start doing <laughs> Um, on the hot seat. Talk about your DVC history, Jamie. Yeah, so I got involved in DVC in 2014. Right at the end of my high school career. <laughs> um, and <laughs> the end of it? <laughs> I guess DVC is something special because I'm still here. That's nine about years like later. when I graduated high school, too, quiet, it's my show. Uh, yeah, so I right. <laughs> going to it, too. <laughs> but one thing I want to ask Greg about what is your history? I've what? seen you in lots of plays and stuff, but I 
confused soaps. <laughs> Jimmy, did you say nine years? Nine? Nine right? years? Yeah. I don't know. Wow. Yeah. That's a line from the show. So, oh, that's right. <laughs> there you go. You said again. <laughs> what did you want to ask yep. me? I was going to ask you, okay, now, in terms of, like, for the show, you've been house drummer, like, for Tom Waits and all this other stuff. Right, right, yeah. You try to bring, like, now, they're interpreting the songs for, like, part of a story, so it's going to be a little different. So, but you try to, like, when you do the Waits thing, did they try to do the songs, like, their versions, or are you trying to stick? Well, it's a little bit of both. I mean, I listen to them, because I'm not a big time Waits fan, so all that stuff was new to me when I first got involved with it, so... You know, I'd listen to it and go, ooh, that's interesting. There's different sounds. How am I going to replicate that sound? And there's this one song called Clap Hands that's all like bells and gongs and things. So I made up a little uh, table on the side, which, again, from my percussion training, good old Nazareth, I had a dome cymbal and I had a school bell that somebody gave me, an actual school bell that went on the wall. And um, I just started making these sounds, and it's like, well, okay, for that song, I needed that. And other songs, I needed, you know, brushes, or I needed... So you... And then everybody brings their own personality into it. Mm -hmm. Like, when Jeff Spivak does a spoken word thing, he does it his way. And we have to sort of play in between his phrases, and... That's like and an so there's a lot of... It's in, a lot of instinctual CD. stuff. But that's so. like... The thing I've always loved about DVC is you don't do, like, just the normal middle-of-the-road stuff. You're always looking for interesting... Like, that's how INSQ plays, stuff like that. But what is something, like... Did anything pop out, like, that you've done that really was cool? Like, you never figured anybody would do this as a play? Or... I think every single original... Good answer. Good answer. Good answer. Written. I love it. So, I don't think I've ever done anything as complex and... You know, I don't know. He always says it's not for everybody. There's, you know, there's a specific audience that we gear towards. So it's always been interesting. I, yeah, I don't, I have an interest in doing things that are not, uh, yeah, that's very inspiring like. personally to me. When we're doing something, we're putting in those kinds of hours and time and effort, uh, and psychological and physical health for something <laughs> you want to, for nothing but, you know, the gratification that you get from it and to, uh, deliver something to the community that you feel like it needs, then you're not going to do something that's you're not inspired Greg to do. Greg made a good point the other week, and we want this to sell out, obviously, and you always seem like you have good attendance, but like you'd rather play in front of 10 people who dug the music than people who didn't pay attention. You yeah. just said that. I did that last night, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were they all stuck around for the whole thing. They were thing, all getting so. tickets to the play. That's yeah. why they were out there and everything. But as a director, right, you, I mean... You still have a vision. I mean, yep. it's you still want it your way. I mean, even though it might be a nebulous concept, I mean, you still have something in mind that you want to see delivered. Right? right, for sure. The concept is actually, that's, you know, that's when we sit down and talk about what are the themes of the show we're doing and what is the concept going to be as far as what are we trying to get across and then how are we going to achieve it? Whether that's, well, it's, it's all of the things. It's lighting, it's staging, right. it's the performance. But... Um, very similar, I guess, to what you were just talking about, the question about performing and how your performance of the music is going to be, you know, your own interpretation. And in some ways it's true to what it was, but it also is something else. You know, I, I don't, um, I, I am not a musician, but having worked with musicians on several shows, you know, when, when we're putting on a production, in some cases, there's a, uh, a lot of opportunity for them to create, you know, something that's, 
uh, going to be a variation that is theirs, but is also essential to the piece. Right. But then when we have numbers like uh, elaborate choreography and that sort of thing, you know, it becomes... I just had this discussion with my musical director, the, you know, a week ago when I went, uh, we're taking the last minute and a half off that song and we're going to end it there. And he initially didn't really love that idea. <laughs> so, so we basically just talked about what was in the best interest of the show and then we made the decision that I wanted. And, and that's, <laughs> that's, but that's an interesting thing too because as a player, especially in theater, in pit band or whatever you want to call it, it's like, I remember doing some myself, but I remember one time a dancer or a singer goes, well, he goes, I'm going to do it slower tonight. Okay. So I had to get that in my head that he's going to do it slower or faster or whatever, or I'm not into it tonight or I want to, you know, whatever. But you have to know how you have to have that wide berth in your toolbox, so to speak. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if you say, well, I wanted a little more this or a little less that, you have to understand what that means. You know, you, it's not just, well, we know how it goes, but no, right. you have to know how to interpret it. You know, I was thinking, too, in terms of the music, does the music set the tone for the type of story you're going to tell? I and mean, I'm thinking, okay, if you had Nick Cave, it probably wouldn't be a very happy mm-hmm. play. And then, oh, just the other thing, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I know you've you touch on a lot of serious subjects very tastefully and very good, but I just like Vanessa Carlton. Honestly, I can remember it was a thousand miles, maybe. Or yep. I think it, it was not Regina Spector. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Um, the first part of that question, which I was going right for an answer to, and then you dropped show, the second so half. No, no. I, uh, <laughs> The what was the first part of the question? First part does the music yes. help you set the tone? Yes, uh, um, I write the show around the music. I um, it's t- it's difficult when I have an artist. So did the Tori Amos show uh, years ago. I had songs I really wanted to use, and I try to incorporate them. Like they they tell the story, and that's how I create the story. But inevitably, every single time, you realize the song's just not gonna fit. And there's always a song that I don't really particularly care for that much that's ideal for the show. So you just find a way to let this... And then I just always step back and go, let the songs tell the story. And um, it's also like in a musical, right? Like in, in an original musical, they're writing songs. The songs do, hopefully, propel the story along as well as the dialogue does. So um, you always want to go, okay, let me make sure the lyrics of the song can tell the story the way we're performing the scene can tell the story as much as anything I'm going to write before or after a song happens. So very inspired by uh, that music. And in regards to the second part of your question, um, talking about kind of themes of our shows and why we did Vanessa Carlton music and all of that... um, I don't know. Jamie, you want to talk a little bit about uh, what the show's about? It was more of an obs. That's actually where I was going to. Like, you know, don't have to give away everything. Spoilers, but, you know. I think we can talk a little bit of plot here. What's their palette for coming to the show? So it is essentially a 10-year story between six friends, kind of time jumpy, um, very complex connections between all of them, really, um, and seeing where they go in their life and then kind of yeah it's it's interesting and what you said about the songs telling the story I was just thinking the other day during rehearsal that it's hard to sometimes delve into a scene when it's just a standalone 
but as we get into running the whole thing together, those songs really do actually propel the show and get you into a mindset where it makes the, you know, interactions with other characters really come to life from those songs. I I wanted to explore um, people's lives, the lives of these characters from just after high school, 18, 19 years old, and the bond that all of them form at that time. And then to have a whole bunch of things happen in their lives and have them be reunited uh, in their late 20s and to kind of explore the positive and negative, the good and bad things that happened in, in those relationships they had earlier in their lives and how it affected them. It is less uh, overtly political than uh, most of our shows, but um, it is a celebration of diversity and inclusivity um, and uh, it certainly focuses on a complex amount of uh, relationships in a variety of forms um, and entanglements that people get themselves into <laughs> over the years. And, uh, and so that kind of became the basis of it was just look at these characters and say, where do their lives go and how do they come back together? And Jamie, it is truly an ensemble show. In fact, yeah. there's... Uh, six characters that are performing as the name characters that do the dialogue, and we also have six ensemble members that are in virtually every musical number. So it's a uh, it's a true ensemble cast. But uh, Jamie plays uh, Elise, who is the pivotal character in that the story is most told through her own perspective. So no pressure, no pressure <laughs> no at pressure all. At all. No it's not at all. like the little part where like you brought the wine. <laughs> no, what they say, I don't. I, it's me. Maybe I'm a little more open-minded than whoever. I don't never really even consider things political. You're like like a be like Star Trek, where you're telling a good story, but there's a message in there for people to get. Yeah. Well, you'd be surprised how many people don't just, really I love don't that. Know. I see. <laughs> okay, maybe I'm weird. I've always, you know, I'm always like for different thought and doing all the interesting, making people think. So when we did this show in 2013, the year 2013, oh, everyone. Yeah. Uh, you'd think in Rochester, New York, um, we had, uh, more than one member of the, uh, of the ensemble, um, get into some pretty significant stuff with family members. We're talking about older teenagers, right? Who, um, because, uh, we were depicting a wide range of, uh, characters and, and, and their interactions and relationships. And so some characters, identified as gay or straight and some of it was just like these people ended up in this relationship and then they went into this other direction and uh we had we had people freak out over that like we had people concerned that their you know 17 year old was in a show where there were characters of the same sex engaging in a relationship i just thought of something for a future project you ever want to do like a Christian scare film project where you do some of those like a parody of those. I mean this is pretty spontaneous <laughs> well, but see, it's not the terrible idea how, how do you see that that confuses me only because not confuses me but it seems so uh, against the grain if you're trying to promote understanding and then you're putting this show together see people can get together and be like this and have this lifestyle and then the parents are still fighting it yeah, it's, you know, and it's like, why are you holding on to these like fear things? You know, that's not your 
that's not helping your kid. <laughs> yeah. You know? We did the show, and there's a bit in there talking about the fact that any time now that two characters were going to be able to legally get married. And then, obviously, that's something that changed uh, in the script in the past 10 years. Quite a bit's changed in the script in the past 10 years. Yeah. So there's new songs in the show and everything. But uh, it's it's a reinvention of the show. We're not just redoing it. But... um uh, you know, it's interesting to look at because you go, oh, that's not really a thing anymore. And right. then you go, except for all the people that are trying to uh, um, ensure that it doesn't remain a thing, right? So, you know, as as much as we feel like 10 years later you go back and go, well, there's nothing controversial in this. And then you realize there's a large portion of the country that is actually still thinks that, you know, gay marriage is something that uh, shouldn't exist. Um, I don't, I mean, we, our audiences are, you know, the Rochester community in New York, and uh, I assume that in a lot of ways people are open-minded when it comes to uh, our exploring of, you know, political, mostly social justice type yeah. issues, I think. I don't know. I mean, it's just DVC's perspective. There are a lot of different, a lot of people do music, theater, writing, whatever, for, uh, write novels for a variety of reasons, and all of them are valid. Um but uh DVC has a specific mission and you know you you got to stick to be true to what you're what you're doing so yeah, MJ has it every now and then of picking on me when I'm in the audience as I've said before a couple times <laughs> we sometimes are a little bit immersive yeah but that's one thing I've been obsessed with a little as I'm getting older and I've had my issues the passage of time and it's amazing how I'm like you'll see that good or bad there's a lot of ills of social media a lot of not like say you would find someone on Facebook you knew like 20 years ago now to you that person stopped. Same to that person. Then you look. It's like you might not recognize them. Might be something different. Or you run into like a good friend from high school or college, and their lives have passed too. Mm-hmm. And you talk. You might be totally like you don't even know each other. Yeah, it's amazing. Well, I, I, people change. I mean, there's someone in the show now that's you know in his mid twenties that was very different in a lot of ways than he was when I knew him when he was you know graduating from high school. Like he went on and had life experiences, and he's coming back and bringing those into the show. Right. I mean, everyone cool in the show, <laughs> most people in the show have been cast in the show since uh, whatever February or March of 2020. We've been waiting a long time to do this show when we didn't do any shows for two years. We were going to bring it back in 2022 when we started up again, but again, this felt like the show that needed to be the reunion show. I remember show. you saying it was, actually, I think I remember 2019, you said it was coming. So never mention a show that's coming to me again. It's always just coming. It's always on <laughs> its way. I've also <laughs> noticed, again, just from being involved, like music, theater, and everything, most people, I think it's a way to express, because most people, you don't seem very shy, Jamie, but <laughs> most people, a lot of people, like especially now, I've known a lot of drag queens. If you know them when they're not playing the character, I've always said drag queens are like superheroes in a lot of ways. It's like their identity. You know, they're all outgoing. Mm -hmm. You meet them like Ed Popple or someone, they're the shyest people. And I think it gives people who maybe are a little socially awkward, shy, a way to really express themselves. Do you you find, though, if, if people grow, let's say you see a kid like that after high school and he, he's been through a few things and then you want him to, can you act more innocent? 
Well, they're not innocent anymore. <laughs> so now they have to actually act. Well, I will tell you this story. When we did the show initially, the characters are 18 and then they turn 28. Yeah. And the show was full of a bunch of people that were much closer to 18 than 28. Right. So they had to figure out a way to be 28. <laughs> My cast now is closer to 28 than it is to 18. So... Can you uh, act like you're 18 We again? have <laughs> talked about, especially when the show begins when they're 28 and then quickly returns to when they're 18. And so we've talked a lot about how do you make that journey right. from who the character was and slowly get back to the character that you become. But it is a different perspective um, based on... The ages of the people involved in the yeah, show, maybe yeah. Dress a little bit too, or like hairstyle. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, uh, do, they, do they have a lot of aha moments when they have to realize how they, they do have to <laughs> act? <laughs> I, I, I think know. that, um, I mean, obviously, actors' uh, uh, technique and craft is is different, you know, based on how each person kind of goes about the process. But right. we do a lot of talking and exploring things. But yes. We have, just like I as the director, have moments where we're in the middle of something that we've done several times. And then all of a sudden we go, oh, that's what this line should be. Um, you know, that kind of thing. So yeah. I think that that's part of the, that's maybe part of the process is, that yep. I enjoy the most, maybe, is the creation of it. Spoiler, I actually, I mean, actors are doing all this for nothing but the love of it and performing, but, um, I'm really much more of a process person, uh, so I, you know, that's great. The performances are great. The audience is there. It's alive. You get rewarded for everything you've done. But I don't know. I I, I really enjoy the process. You what I, I think I do too. I, I, yeah, I get yeah. I think sound like a little like Neil Peart, like on his bicycle trips, where he would say some people would be okay. A, B, look all over, get into the play. He would be get me to A to B to C the process. Yeah, very linear. Yep. But one thing I'd like to talk about, too, is, like, the rest of your stunning cast, about who's in it, who's playing, whatever. Right. Well, we have a stunning cast. Yes. Yeah, we do. We do. We do. It's stunning, Uh, incredible So, we have a couple of people uh, that we have not worked with before. Um, One is uh, a graduate of Wilson uh, who has wanted... He's come to me several times and said, hey, can I be part of DBC now in his early adulthood? Um, And then... We didn't do shows for a long time. But, so, uh, he's joined our ensemble, and he's great. I mean, we've got an ensemble of actors that have a lot of uh, a talent, a lot of skill, that are bringing a lot to what they're doing, you know. Um, we uh, have, we like to keep, you know, our, we like to bring, bring people, new people in to add something new to the show. But also, you want to have a solid base and people that you connect to and understand and, you know, play well with, uh, create things well with. So, um, uh, but we also have an, a new local actor, uh, Keisha Cherie, who has never performed with us before. Um, and a lot of the uh, people that, of course, you know, MJ Savistano is in there and uh, Kiyomi Oliver and Alexis Maxim, people who, uh, if you've come to DVC shows, you've seen on the stage. Certainly, Jamie has been on the DVC stage a lot. Um, uh, when we're talking about um, uh, embodying characters being different than when you are what you are in real life, I think, just thinking about that show, the Seven Years Gone show we did last <laughs> summer where Jamie was... You know, the, 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 uh, the addict, the very extroverted, <laughs> confrontational addict who spoke to the audience through most of that show. And that is so far from Jamie's personality, but 
I don't know. I think you found something in yourself, obviously, you could tap into. Oh, yeah. I, think, but, I mean, it was challenging, but I think playing characters that are different from yourself is... Yeah. It's part of the fun I, of doing it. That's, 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 that's the that's whole thing. Yeah. We have two Calebs in this show. Caleb oh, Wiggins. That is confusing. Two Ca- <laughs> Caleb Wiggins and Caleb Chittapong. No Caleb Meyer, though. No, 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 <laughs> no not now. Uh, fortunately, I can refer to them by their character names most of the time. Um, but that's all tr- also tricky because they have a lot of their scenes together. So, um, when I say Caleb, go to your left, it gets a little bit sketchy. Um, <laughs> but we work it out. Uh, who did I, who else? Jeez. Uh, oh, Joey, uh, Joey Chacon, who has done a lot of local <laughs> Rochester, a lot of Rochester theater. Uh, you know what? We like to pick people who are dedicated that will do stuff, not just show up and perform right we have people like kevin kevin chaba who we've been working with who is showing up you know at the garage today to paint you know in addition <laughs> to being a part of the show and that is you know the the essence of of dvc uh jamie and alexis and mj are people who are just gonna do all of the things what are the things we need to do and how are we going to get them done and uh you know there's not the d in dvc is does not stand for diva uh, and we find it very hard to interact with people who show up going, I'm the show. And we're like, well, that's not really how it is around that's here. It's like if you ever go to music auditions, anybody who does that, they usually stinks. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. Just shouting out. So, uh, uh, who else makes up our ensemble? Adriana Allen, who's done beautiful voice. Uh, 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 Shay has an amazing voice. She's actually done a couple shows with us. Um, before we get to showcase her voice a little more. Very nice. Um, yeah, so we're, uh, we're, you know, I mean, we're in it now. We're See, super love, in the middle though, of it. I through the years seeing, like, the kids grow in all different parts they play and everything. It is fun to watch that transformation. Like I said, it's, I think you got to find the perfect balance of growing with people and forming your identity of who you are as a group and continuing to reach out and involve other people. Um, our music, I mean, Doug Waterman has played our music. He served as our guitarist and has, uh, you know, been a musical director for the show, which is a very useful, uh, you know, it's been Im- imperative uh, because I have a limited understanding of music. I know what I wanted to do with it and what it was sound needs to sound like and how it needs to happen. But as far as like making that really happen on instruments, no idea. So, you know, it's been, I don't know, we've been working with Doug now for, I don't know. Well, actually, Doug Doug played on this show. This was Doug's first show with DVC in 2013. Then he moved to New York City and came back, and we started working with him again maybe three years after that. So, But this was his first taste of that's how, who uh, we that's were. That's how I get I know like Sony, yeah. friends with Sony musicians, but they'll forget that I'm a layman. And like I was one time with Kyle Vock, he's playing this classical piece, and I asked him about it on the bass. He's like, well, now you do this and there. I'm like, speak English, speak yeah, I English. <laughs> I don't even, that was lost at the first thing. <laughs> Jim, you said just missed the show the first time, huh? Yeah. Because you've been involved oh, nine years. Before. Did you see the show and were inspired to be in DVC? I actually didn't see the show. Okay. Could you lie? Because we're on radio. I know. I should have said that. Should be oh, yes, I saw it. I just want to point out that Jamie's slightly older brother, William, did see the show he, yes. and was inspired by it. And his he, favorite one, actually. And it's his favorite one. And he's been uh, working with us to design lights. This is another situation where MJ and I know exactly what we want lights to look like and what we want them to do and how we want them to operate, but we cannot figure out how to get them look pointed in the right direction or um, 
mostly it's programming the light board. I mean, if you could get, if you still went up there and physically crawled around and pushed lights, that's one thing, but it's all a computerized board you know. now. And for, so William, we just like, we need 40% uh, lavender and we need it over on that part of the stage. And, uh, you know, it's just part of the family process. The Dijakos have been solid contributors to I DBC. remember, like, volunteering for Closer. Yeah. And it was a great, except for the weather, like, almost flipping off the expressway on the ice. <laughs> but it was fun. But I'm, all I can think of is the one thing where they had to line up the characters writing, getting that right, how tough that was. Yeah. But I love the attention to detail, because, like, if they had, like, alcohol... It would be like whatever they would try to make sure it was like the right color of soda or something yep. not like well it's water oh this is brandy but it looks like water well, mj was also involved in that show yeah, i don't i don't have any idea you know if they were doing that or if it was someone else i'm sure there was a stage manager that took control well, of that but de- yeah detail a, a fine uh, eye to detail is important especially so we do shows that in some ways have to be very abstract if you're doing a musical and you have 30 scenes, you're not going to create a lifelike room because you've got to go to all these different locations and do all these different things. But then you sit down and go, okay, what is representative? What do we have to have? What are we trying to get across based on what this room looks like? What's something that on a practical level we can remove and put back and how can we do it? In this particular case, it's staircases that roll around the stage. And how do you make that happen in a way that makes for smooth transitions and is engaging for the audience and doesn't become a technical nightmare because you should never rely on your technology. I've always been amazed by set design. I love set it design too. is like yeah. the coolest thing to me. It's it's tricky. Whenever I watch movies and stuff. I mean, I, I look at these credits and I'm like, oh my God, you know, these people, the carpenters and all, you don't think about all that stuff. Right. Yeah, As no, you, general, you know. You've got to have someone, first of all, who... At least the process for us is someone says, you know, MJ and I usually um, occasionally get some help, but we go, okay, what do we want this? What does this have to look like? And then we talk to someone, in most cases it's Kelly Flagel, who has designed most of our sets, who says, well, this is probably what you want to do on a build practical level. And then you need to have people, like you just said, carpenters, etc., who actually physically can build it, build it competently, build it quickly, and uh, and in our case, build it very inexpensively. And uh, so, yeah, that's a lot of brains that go into making anything like that happen. Yeah, I want to ask you a question, Jamie, about finding your character. Now, do you, when you get a character... Do you try to, like, it's acting. Do you try to, like, try to find the nugget of the character just imagine the person? Do you try to draw on your own life experience? Is it sort of a mix depending on who it is? Definitely probably a mix depending on what the character is. Um, but for this show, when we, we're going to do it in 2020, <clears throat> I go through the script. I have notes like crazy. And a whole thing, just reading the words, but creating a backstory for that character, even if it's not explicitly said in the script. Um, and then that just evolves throughout the whole show. And yeah. Are you still using all those 2020 notes, or have they changed? They've changed slightly, um, but I did go back and read them and redo them and kind of add, add as I went. So. That's cool, because I always, like, sometimes, like, you'll look, like, you try to imagine, like, what would this person wear? You go, like, so-and-so would definitely dress like this, or, like, a little thing, like, somebody's favorite, this person's favorite food would be sushi, or something. Well, luckily we have MJ, who is great with 
costume designing, so they, oh, yeah. they give us all that That's become our little in-joke, <laughs> our little in-joke about MJ. Is what's MJ playing this time? Is she a boy or a girl? Is she a rocker? <laughs> Rock, yeah, um, the show, DC show about rocks will be coming soon. Um, but yeah, I think that's, you know, unfortunately this time, well, when you work with people who are meticulous and focused, then usually you get stuff early enough that it matters too. Costumes very important to characters, and you know we've accumulated the costumes pretty early in the process, and then you can go, okay, this is me, mm-hmm. uh, which is you know helpful. I've been involved, you know, I've been tangentially connected to some shows from some groups. I mean, these things happen where costumes come in kind of last minute, and you're like, well, you know, that's part of the person creating who they are. You know, the the, the sooner you can form that everything about that character the sooner you're going to be effective on stage so um yeah i don't know you're, you're a pretty cerebral actor right <laughs> i mean that's like the notes and the thinking through the things yeah. and so you know people have different we, we have a lot of people in dvc with different different acting styles but i think that um that's that's the way i think it is too i have zero talent in that but whatever works for you exactly. yeah you know it's not like but the only last thing I'll ask, too, is that when you have your script, if somebody brings you an idea, are you sort of like the velvet glove person where if, like, somebody brings an idea and you go, wow, you know what, maybe that'll be better, or you go, no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> don't worry, you don't have to discriminate yourself. <laughs> no, no, this is, uh, so DVC, this is tricky, too. It does. It's not a, a perfect art by any means. Uh, we, I emphasize collaboration as much as possible. Um, we would, we want everything DVC to be collaborative. The board gets together and talks about things. Our board is not a bunch of people who just make like some abstract decisions on, we should do this play for this profit margin. The board is the people who are most actively involved in performing in, working on, and doing the stage. I don't want you on the board if you're not going to carry a heavy object when we have to load in. And so, it's very practical. And so, uh, yeah, I, the goal is collaboration. The goal is to listen. For me to come in with a very specific plan and to be prepared for that plan to go in a lot of different directions. And hopefully everyone that works on the show feels like their voices are heard um, because uh, all the time something happens and I go, I don't have any idea why I had you entering downstage right. It doesn't make any sense with what we're doing. Or I've never heard the line that way. Uh, The objective there was really strong. Let's continue to use that. I, I, I would strive to create a collaborative environment as much as uh you know you're able to do in a high pressure situation with a bunch of different personalities it's a work in progress right yeah. till the very end yeah sure yeah. is sure is yeah. well a lot of writers will tell you well i started out this character wrote itself it's like this character is this but the character took over and went this way but greg when, i think if you have confidence but not an ego that's how you work like when you're in a band and you bring that being together, you can come up with some great stuff than if you're, like, yeah. really defensive. It, it's of... the same as what he was saying. I mean, yeah. you have to have... You can't have one guy that wants to shine or one... You know, I mean, it, it's it's the sum of the parts thing, and it, that usually gets you the best results. <clears throat> you know, like, I know, like, okay, I know I, I know I can nail this style, and you, you do it as best you can, and everybody does that with that mindset, and then you get a nice finished product. 
you know, it'll yeah. sound good, look good, whatever. That's uh, absolutely. I mean, the last several shows have been co-directed, right? This, we've called ourselves the Sav Sibs. And, you know, MJ <laughs> and I work in the shows together. And, yes, usually one of us is kind of at the helm of the directing situation, especially if MJ's playing a, a huge role in the show. you got to be an outside eye. You can't, right. you know. But but you don't, you're not going to vanity project direct yourself. But the reason that, we're, you know, we... we, we List it as both of us doing the show is because then we leave the rehearsal and MJ says, you have this scene where this character's doing this. Have you thought about doing another thing? And that's when, and you know, surprise, uh, we're siblings. We don't necessarily totally agree and get along on everything. The discussion, we'll call it, the heated discussion <laughs> creates right. the moments that end up working. <laughs> When I have to defend a choice I've made, I either can super strongly defend it or realize it wasn't the best decision. And so, you know, you want someone who's going to question you, but also be open-minded to discussion so that wherever you end up by the end, it's for the best what you've done. Yeah. I mean, I notice, like, when I'm playing, I like to arrange parts and vocal parts and let's do a break here. And, you know, I like, I don't even have to be doing anything i just think that that idea would work yeah and then people say oh yeah that's cool but the thing is as a drummer you know you're sitting there listening to everything mm -hmm. coming at you so it's kind of like you know what i'm trying to say it's like you're not you're part of it but you're listening to it at the same time and it's like more other people are more involved with well my part my part well you know i'm hearing all the parts yeah so kind of like what you have to deal with you know, you're like, well, wait a minute, I want you to be more over here, I want you to step forward more, you, you know, whatever it is. So I, I th it's very interesting that it, it is a, a collaborative thing, because that's the, usually the best, you get the best effort. Yeah. Unless you're like Jeff Beck at times. <laughs> well, everybody wants to know that their thing is validated. Yeah. Validated, you know, well, like oh, if I have an idea, I can say something, you know, and he's not going to just tell me I'm an idiot, you know. Right. I would have said too. I would have gladly made my debut in DVC in 2020 if you had to play, but since it got canceled, I think the time's passed. I'll just That's promote. Too bad. <laughs> yeah. We've got Greg, other... Greg and I would have both been on in 2020. I but... We've got other shows coming up. Uh, I'm busy. I think I'm out of town. Uh, as a drummer, Greg's going to be a lot more useful to us. Than you are, Rob. I don't know what to tell you, but we frequently need musicians. Well, I, I know my role. Haven't gotten me in there yet. <laughs> I know my role in promoting things in this town. What are you doing, July fourteenth? <laughs> there you go, Greg. You know, but this sounds really you cool. Know. And you got to get down. It's great parking, great venue. What else can I say about it? Yeah. You know, get your tickets. I could do it. You can do it. You know, tell Jamie because she wants all the attention. Obviously, yeah. I see her. She's going up to her. But now you also have another one coming up in like Novemberish. All the Devils. Yeah. Just a little, little, little about it. Yeah. Uh, so um, it's also an original piece, uh, and uh, it's new. Uh, you know, we've never never performed it before. No one's ever performed it before. Obviously, uh, it is a. Um, as set in the 1920s, it's definitely uh, inspired by a sort of Lovecraftian uh, Cthulhu-like vibe. Um, it is uh, a um, set in the 1920s, and um, uh, I, it actually has more humor. I'm saying this now, I don't know. Hopefully it's funny. It actually has more humor than any show that I've ever written, probably any show that DVC has ever done. Um, uh uh, but 
you know, it still carries a lot of DVC's intention and, and, and message in, in, in it. Uh, it definitely explores not just what the world, specifically the United States, more specifically New York City, but what the world was 100 years ago, but also what it is now. Um, and, uh, but yeah, it's that group of people, uh, just sort of pulled together investigating something that, um, has a, a, of mysterious origin, uh, and, uh, what they discover about themselves, um, while they're sort of on that quest to, to, uh, uncover what's been happening to these missing people. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I don't know. It, it um, we are not fully, you know, we're in a very early pre-production, yeah. but I, I think I can reveal that MJ Savistano and Kiyomi Oliver are playing the, uh, the two main characters. And, um, yeah, I don't know. It'll be an adventure, like any show he puts like together. I probably wrong, not MJ, so I don't remember the lines, but is it all the devils out, something from Hamlet? So, when we, just make so it. as always, I wrote the entire show and had no idea what to name it. <laughs> and, uh, then actually it was indeed MJ that, so I didn't want to go with this title, um, because I, uh, so it was some, uh, hell is empty, all the devils are here, I believe is the full quote. And, um, it was just because I looked it up and there were other things that were kind of named it. <laughs> I like it. There were, there were, oh, I, I liked the name. I, there were just other things that were named it. But when I just cut it down to all the devils, uh, it still held the same meaning and idea that I wanted. But it also didn't have the exact same title as, you know, uh, a book that I saw or whatever. Right. You know, the quote had been used before in a different form. So I looked it up and uh, once I, I thought about that, I went, no, this is it. So, yes. MJ's credited to throwing me the idea for that title for sure, and then I just went, "What part of this am I going to use for it to make it kind of catchy?" I really Come. like period period uh, plays and and films and things. I was I've been watching that one show on Amazon, The English. Have you seen that? I haven't seen it. it, but it it's a, it's a, about a woman from England that comes goes into the, the goes out west at like the end of the Civil War. Mm-hmm. And she hooks up with this this uh, Indian guy that was a scout for the cavalry. But it's just weird. It's like the brutality, the, mm-hmm. the desolation, uh, all the things that to her are like, what the heck is going on here? You know, but she's strong and everything. But it, but it's just interesting when you when you place people in those situations. Like I just like those kinds of... You can definitely look at historical period and look at how different and how not different it is from where we are now, right. which is interesting. Um, yeah, those part of exploring those kinds of things was important to me. You know, we have a uh, we work with a diverse group of people um, who identify in a variety of ways. Uh, who are you know a, a a collection of individuals that come together that represent you know, uh, what Rochester is as a population, and we, um, that allows us to explore a variety of ideas. Um, but as, as you stated, Rob, earlier, the goal is never, like, let's make a play about, you know, sexism, right? <laughs> All the Devils deals with lots of concepts of sexism, because it's 1920s it's in the real world. America, right. but... That's not the, the idea, right? That's, that's not the, 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 um, that, that's what you do when you put together the concept of what you want to do with a show. But, um, I think if you go in with it in that direction, you're not going to get very far because you need to develop things in a lot of different ways. Message needs to be clear, but, you know, that's what propels you conceptually. It's not what, 
you you know um, I'll always I'll never forget I learned this as a kid about this because one of my dear cousin she got a law degree and she went to her firm they thought she was a secretary and everybody was asking her to get coffee yeah oh, so man. I always that, that stuck with me when I was young yeah got to be on the promoter I'll wear my witch's hat mm-hmm. yep. <laughs> He's seen the witch's hand. It's awesome. <laughs> I brought it, dusted off for some shows. Get my broom. <laughs> no, I was disappointed that you didn't have it. Well, it's summer. You know, I got July. Like it's a yeah. soccer hat. Um, no it's June, I guess. I, I got don't know. my yeah, whatever. I don't want to know. But cool. Go. This, thanks for being on. It's been awesome. Yes, yeah, was, was great. I love you guys. Was this horrible? No, it was not awful. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fun time in the two. Can we drag day. you here again? <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> you want to. So you want to be back on the next show, right? Oh, of course. Well, so we'll wait till your agent calls us and says no, or yeah, like, you want to go back in with that. But thanks a lot for being on. It's always great to see you and have you. And we're gonna. I thought about DVC. I actually, did some thinking. Let's wait. You, are you gonna sing now for us, Jamie? You know, I would, but it, I think we're running out of time. Yeah, <laughs> contractually. Good answer. <laughs> we don't want to get Vanessa Carlton. Uh, you were on that show, yeah. but I thought something poignant for like DVC. Alyssa Tran, I just was in town, she was just in town, I was hanging out with her. There's a song she did called Ain't Ever Going Back. And now, if you watch the video, it's very timely in terms of topic. Let's just say she's really good with a shovel. I'll leave it at that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but we'll play that at the end because I think it fits in with DVC's message. And plus, you're not singing for us. So <laughs> no pressure. I mean, <laughs> she's guaranteed to be uh, singing at least six times in the month of July. So, so hold come it. on by and check it, out. Check, but it out. check it out. Thanks a lot, everything. Greg, as always. Yep. Well, Julie Figueres. Act like no one's watching. <laughs> yes, and that's all. See you, bye. <laughs> It's been a long time coming On a hard and winding road Ain't carrying nothing But the heaviest load Now there's no returning To the way it was before Engine still burning Right over the floor We didn't come